0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, why Pentecost? What does it mean? When our daughters were little girls, would at times ask a very reasonable question, why? Why eat their peas? Why take a bath? Why go to bed? In seminary, I had learned about religious mystery, how mysteries in religion are not so much to be solved or figured out as they are to be experienced. And and even appreciate it. So in response to the question why, I would say to those little girls, it's a mystery. Eat your (laughs) peas. And I can report that it worked. For a while. From time to time. Now, when we come to Pentecost in the church year, Trinity Sunday, just around the corner, we find our worship is taking us back again into high mystery. We're just coming back down to earth from the Easter resurrection, and then the day of Pentecost happens and jumbles everything up again, and not only are we to believe in God and Jesus, but now there's the Holy Spirit. It may seem like a lot to ask, and perhaps it is asking a lot of us. But life asks a lot of us. And many people find life is not all that easy to live out. And that it's even more difficult to live it out well. And for Christians, this is where the Holy comes in, to enable us to live life, and at times even to live it well. This is why the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is a major day of Christian celebration. And this is why every Sunday in the creed, we say, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord. The giver of life. This morning I want to tell you a story of my own first experience of the Holy Spirit. The Lord. The giver of life. Because as a young man I was one of those who did not find life easy. And I have to confess that I was unable to live it well. And to tell the truth, that totally surprised me because I I knew I was competent. I I knew I was bright. I had talents. What was wrong with me? Yet I seemed to myself to fail in almost every human category that I valued. And I seemed to lack power to change. And it, it was humiliating. For all my high hopes, I was finding simple everyday life to be a very dark and a very painful journey. I had a cousin, his name was Rob Sanders, some of you will know him, who heard of my difficulties And he invited me, because of them, to come to Florida for a visit. He thought I was spiritually lost. And he was right. And he wanted to help me. Now, severely depressed people are not a joy to be around. And I was the type of person at that time that you actually would want to not invite, but because my cousin was a Christian, maybe because he was a new Christian, he thought that if he could get me to Jesus, I could be healed. So he and his wife invited me to spend Christmas holidays with them. It was a very gracious and loving offer, but I'm afraid I brought a heaviness into their house. And after I'd been there a few days, my cousin suggested to me that it might be a good thing if somebody from his church prayed for me. And I said, that's fine. Tell them to go ahead and pray for me. And then he explained that, well, actually, they would pray with me. And I didn't like the sound of that. I I had had my fill of what I thought was manipulative religion. But down deep, I was very desperate. And because I I really was lost in life, and I felt hopeless, and because my cousin was trying to help me, I I reluctantly agreed to try prayer. It turned out a surprising experience in a number of ways. The first surprise came when my cousin drove me to the prayer appointment. I had assumed we would be going to the Episcopal Church where I had gone with them for the Christmas Eve midnight service but instead we parked at a suite of medical offices near the local hospital. I felt a little sense of foreboding And I discovered then that the man who was to pray with me was not a priest, but was a dentist. We walked into a waiting room full of miserable people who, like me, didn't want to be there. And when my name was called by the nurse, my cousin and I were ushered into one of the treatment rooms and Rob introduced me. Dr. J. Denson. Dr. Denson was the senior warden then of Grace Episcopal Church in Ocala, Florida and he had graciously worked me into his schedule. After introductions, again to my surprise, my cousin left me alone with this praying dentist (laughs) who, who asked me to take a seat There were two seats. (laughs) I took the dental chair, and he took the little round stainless steel stool and came sliding up beside me, and he said, I need to ask you a few questions. He said, First off, I need to know if you believe in God. And I said, No, I don't. He paused and he said, Well, that's all right. Do you believe in Jesus? And I said, Well, of course not. (laughs) If I don't believe in God, how could I possibly believe in Jesus? He said, It's okay. It's okay. He said, One more question. If there is a God, would you be willing for him? And at that, some resistance inside of me seemed to break, and I said, man, I would be willing for anything to help me. Fine, he said. Now let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. You're going to sit here, and God is going to come and help you. And here's what you have to do. Nothing. You sit. I'll pray. God will come. And so he got up from his stool, moved around behind me, put his hands on my shoulders, and began to pray. Now this would be a better story if I could remember what he exactly prayed. But I don't. I do remember that it seemed to take an awfully long time. And the general gist of it was he was describing me to God. He said things like, Lord, see this man sitting here, how alone he is? He needs you to come and be with him. He, he's miserable. He's sick of life. He's lost. He feels like a failure. And he just went on and on and on. He took his time and he took me apart piece by piece. There were just the two of us in the room, but he seemed deeply involved in a conversation with somebody else. And it was about me. But I wasn't... That anybody else was there. It was the whole situation was very unsettling to me. It was painful to hear the description of my interior state. How did he know all that? And and it was also intellectually embarrassing since I had spent the last 10 years looking down my nose at Christianity. I felt like I was an intellectual. That, that I'd given in, that I'd caved in. And yet, here I was in the middle of a mystery, sitting in a dental chair where this, while this doctor performed spiritual surgery, cutting me to the heart as he described me to Jesus. Alone, alone, got that right. Miserable. Anxious. Sick. Sad. Sorry. Full of pain. I don't know if he asked Jesus to take the pain away or not. I, I don't remember any relief. But I do remember that my shirt front was just drenched with tears that I guess... I must have been weeping, and I remember thinking he should have put one of those dental (laughs) bibs on me before he started, but at last the prayers ended. I don't remember how. He seemed satisfied. I was shaken and worn out, relieved that it was over. I had wept over myself and my life wondered if that had done any good. But he wasn't finished. He had me in this spiritually weakened state. And so he informed me of the next procedure, which is why I'm telling this story on Pentecost Sunday. He said to me, now here's what we're going to do. I am going to ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And here's what you have to do. And I'm thinking, oh, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming at some point. I'll, I'll have to give my heart to Jesus or confess my sins or profess my belief or ask Jesus into my heart. I knew all about this. I, I Tested it for years. So I stilled myself and he said, Here's what you have to do. Nothing. You sit, I'll pray, and God will come and put the Holy Spirit in you. Weakened as I was. I didn't resist. I was, I was putty in his hands, apparently. And so he began to pray again. But where he was, I suppose, compassionate before, now he began to be enthusiastic. Very enthusiastic. <laughs> my, my cousin had told me I didn't need to worry. He was a highly respected dentist, the senior warden of a very proper downtown Episcopal church, but he was very enthusiastic. (laughs) I don't remember with what words he invoked God with this matter, but but he went from enthusiastic to excited as he prayed. (laughs) And I remember this odd thought. Well, maybe, maybe I would like to have it. Maybe I would like to have the Holy Spirit. That might have been my first real prayer. It, it was a pretty weak one. And so as he prayed, Dr. Dennison began thanking God and Jesus ...what they were doing for me, which was a mystery to me. I couldn't tell they were doing anything. I didn't feel any different. And remember, I was not a Christian, did not believe in God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, and I was sort of being spiritually manhandled by this praying dentist. And then when he began to exclaim... He is pouring it on you. He is pouring it on you. Can't you feel it? I said, man, I don't feel a single thing. Which was true. To which he replied, it doesn't matter. He's pouring it on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then he began to pray. Pentecostally, if you know what I mean. Oh, no, I thought. I I couldn't understand the words, but it was a powerful language. It was fluent, articulate, and full of joy. And then he asked me in English, the only thing... This whole time he asked me to do. He asked me to pray like that myself along with him. (laughs) So I tried. But the Spirit did not give me utterance. So to be truthful, I faked it. I I just muttered and stuttered. and, And I could tell it wasn't. But in response, he gave thanks to God. Maybe maybe it was just because I'd tried. At at any rate, it was just one more thing I tried that morning that I didn't really believe in yet. Well, mercifully we ran out of time. (laughs) And I was ready to get out of there. He had other appointments a different kind of filling, perhaps, or <laughs> maybe a root canal. He was good at rooting stuff out. Uh, he, he reminded me, before I left, what he thought had happened in our appointment. That God had come, that Jesus was with me, and that I had been filled With the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so I left. But that's not the end of the story. As the as the worship team makes their way back up to to lead us in our sermon response song, I'll finish this story. On the ride back from the dentist office, my cousin was asking me how it had gone. And when I got to the part about the Holy Spirit, I said, you know, he seemed so sure I had been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I couldn't tell one way or the other. And then the unusual thought came to me that since I didn't know, I could just as well assume that the Spirit was in me as I could that nothing had happened. Rob agreed that that was logical. So I said, okay, I I think I'm just going to assume that the Holy Spirit is in me. was a very good move within the hour I suddenly realized that the pain of the emptiness that had so filled me for months was gone I didn't feel it go I didn't feel it subside I just realized it was gone seemed unbelievable, seemed crazy, but it was true. I was beyond thankful. And I didn't have to ask, as they did on the day of Pentecost, what does this mean? I I knew immediately what it meant. It meant that God was real. That Jesus was with me. And the Holy Spirit was in me. And that I was in a great mystery. In a mystery which I hoped I could remain in forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son. And especially on this day, to the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Amen.